Welcome on in, lacrosse fans. Sports bettors alike to bet on lacrosse. A little afternoon delight edition where we're not only aiming to cash some tickets here, we're hoping to make you a better, better. Excited to be here with you. I'm Dan Alexander. We have playoff lacrosse. It is a Wednesday that we're recording here. Whenever you're listening in, whether it's live, whether it's on the replay, we appreciate you doing so with me. I got the boys. We got my guy, Justin Byers, FOS business writer. We got pro lacrosse talk contributor, Brian Andrews, pro lacrosse talk host and action network producer, Hutton Jackson. Just want to say these guys did an awesome job, a little draft preview show with the PLL with, uh, with Jake Watts, Joe Keegan, just a, a terrific edition where, uh, where I was learning like crazy from these guys. And then Wisnowski goes, uh, goes first overall, just like we all saw coming, right? Yeah, that's uh, that's the PLL for you there, Brian. Uh, exciting though. Last night, the draft, the the set looked terrific, professionally produced. Um, you know, I'm sure that the PLL is excited about their partnership with ESPN because things like that are only going to become even more the norm. So, uh, you know, fun time watching the draft last night. We got lacrosse today, and we got a live edition of uh, Bet on Lacrosse. How are you doing, brother? Good, man. Really enjoyed the draft. I agree. The production quality was awesome. And I like that we're seeing a higher frequency of uh, high production value sets like for the draft. And there's been a couple halftime shows for high profile college games that have also looked very similar. And that's the kind of stuff that we need to keep growing the sport. We need pregame shows and halftime shows, particularly for the PLO. I think that's their next big step. And I think ESPN just showed us that they're willing to give the PLO those resources. So I'm really excited in general as we roll into the summer. Uh, But I'm also really excited to talk about some playoff lacrosse, both outdoor and indoor this week. Absolutely. And Hutton, I know you were pumped about the draft heading into it. Um, I know know, there was some consternation over goalies going in the draft or not going in the draft. Maybe your seat got a little bit hot last night. But uh, first things first, how are you doing? And, um, you know, were, were you as jazzed up about the PLL draft and the fact that the uh, summer of lacrosse is uh, is growing near as we got playoffs in field, we got playoffs in boxing. Oh, yeah, PLL's right around the corner, too. What's up, my man? Yeah, I echo what Brian said. I thought the production quality was great. Um, was Nauskas going first overall? I won't act like I wasn't surprised. I was as shocked as probably anybody. But, uh, you know, in hindsight, it, it's a great pick. Um, I think it's a very savvy move. That was their biggest hole that they really needed to fill on that lefty side. Um, and they certainly did it. And I think that, that pick was backed up by getting Nick Turn at nine, which I think was another steal for them. Um, already got Jackson Moore on the roster who can, you know, run from X. You got Randy Stotts and Dylan Malloy for that right side. I wish Randy Stotts would have gotten a little bit more love on the broadcast because I feel like people are overlooking the fact that he'll be returning from injury. And we saw, you know, he's kind of ready to go. Um, probably could have suited up for Panther City if they had some meaningful lacrosse left in the NLL season, but they decided to keep him, uh, you know, resting since they didn't want to risk any further injury, you know, at the end of the season when they didn't have any meaningful games to play. But, yeah, in terms of the draft, I think Wisnowski is going number one overall. Um, should have been more of a discussion, I think, than there probably was. Um, but, you know, that was got a steal with Chris Gray at number two as well. And then Matt Moore falling the archers at uh, four. Arden Cohen going to the Redwoods, like a lot of people had talked about. Nakai falling all the way down to the Redwoods. I had him at three in my mock. I had him, you know, I wasn't too surprised that he dropped. I was more surprised how far he dropped because realistically I could have seen him going 
as high as number three and as low as uh, the second round. But uh, he falls all the way to the Redwoods in round three. So I'm sure Coach Nat St. Laurent was ecstatic about that. I'm glad they didn't have betting odds on Chris Gray going first overall. Books would have totally cleaned up. Um, even if Wisnowskis was, you know, let's say plus 115 or whatever, I, I doubt many people would have bet that. So um, I think we, we all owe the books a thank you for not posting those odds. Yeah, well, and any time that you talk to any um, odds makers or anything, like the stuff that I do with Wager Talk, um, you know, they have guests on all the time. They have the um, the director of uh, of trading for, you know, a Las Vegas sports book. They have a guy I do a podcast with, the Cash Considerations podcast. He's also the host of uh, Bostonian versus the book, Dave Sharapan. They hate booking the draft. So we as betters, we're glad they didn't have odds because we probably would have lost a boatload, but I can uh, tell you from my experience talking with people who are uh, who are behind the counter, they hate booking any kind of draft. So I think a good uh, a, a good um, you know symbiotic relationship there that we were able to save some money and odds makers didn't have to really stress out about a draft taking place on a Tuesday evening on ESPNU. Um, I think you touched upon it a lot there. Um, you know we'll kind of get into some some betting implications. We're also going to be previewing some NCAA action for this weekend. A little tourney talk, um, and then we got some best bets in NCAA before we pivot on over to NLS. We got some head-to-head bets going down both in box and field here. So uh, you'll get some nice differings of opinion. And, of course, you can always hop in with your thoughts as well. But as far as the PLL draft goes, um, Hutton had a really good recap there of just kind of some of the shockers. I think probably the person who was the most shocked was probably uh, Chris Bates when uh, his, his pick comes up at four and he goes, wait, you're letting me get Matt Moore? Like, I thought Matt Moore... As I looked at this field, and again, you know, hindsight's going to be twenty twenty. so here's the hot take that you guys can all bury me on once all is said and done. Um, I, I think once the entire careers roll out, I think that Matt Moore potentially has the chance of being the best holistic scoring pro out of this entire draft. I know a lot of people were high on Chris Gray. Um, you know, I, I think rightfully so. I, I think um, – Wisnowskis going first overall shows the respect that coaches have for his game that maybe doesn't vibe as well as fans who, you know, really want flashy scoring. This dude's just a grinder who can do so many different things for you on the field. But I, I think the archers, I mean, that that's going to be an automatic, just blindly let me play overs with this team. You know, if, if they could finally figure out something at the face off X uh, face off dot, I guess for, uh, for the PLL, um, the stripe, um, you know, if they could figure out and just make it a make it, take it. Oh my God. If we ever get team totals, I will blindly bet archers team totals over until I go broke because this, this offense is just clicking and, and figures to be clicking on all cylinders. I also think the big winner of the draft for me, if you're talking about, you know, we'll, we'll have Brian break down some of the future odds and the implications and books uh, movement or lack thereof in some cases. Um, I think the big winner for me far and above is just what, what Atlas was able to do in the draft. I, I think that they shored up a lot of holes. I think it also helped them that they had two picks in the first round because you get two top flight players, two top eight players, um, and, and still have some options on the back end. They have Chris Gray fall to them. You know that I've kind of been one of the bigger Chris Gray detractors. I think he's going to be a terrific pro. I think maybe his game didn't translate as well to getting his team wins in, uh, in UNC's season and then missing the tournament kind of indicates that. But Getting Gray and Kobe Smith, I mean, I mean, how could you not be excited 
if you're an Atlas backer, and I figure to be an Atlas backer myself. So uh, any standout to the draft for you, Brian, before we kind of start breaking down maybe some of the future implications of, uh, of what happened last night? Yeah, I really like what you were talking about with the archers. Like, looking back to last year, it's really interesting. Uh, everyone really expected them to make a very deep playoff run. And what we actually ended up seeing was a really volatile offensive uh, week-to-week performance. And if, you know, Matt Moore and the other additions they made from the draft last, last night helped them kind of stabilize uh, their offensive performance and get more consistency out of that, they should be able, again, to make a deep playoff run. But this team has shown again and again that, for whatever reason, they just can't put it together. And it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with this team if they can't do that this year. So I think going into week one, they have to like come out, you know, pedal to the metal, and they really have to bury a couple of teams and then not have a champagne party in the locker room afterwards. And they really just got to own that identity and be consistent throughout the season. Um, and that's got to be their goal. As an Atlas fan, though, absolutely ecstatic. Atlas get like an A-plus draft grade for me. I love everything about it. I'm a D3 guy myself. Love that they uh, went deep in the fourth round for a D3 big defender guy, uh, Tucker Durkin-like kind of guy. Uh, so I'm really excited for this season for, from uh, an Atlas fan perspective. But I'm most interested in seeing uh, the Archers and how they develop, especially even from a betting perspective, because since they were so volatile, they were objectively, according to our PLO betting report, the worst bet across the entire season with really bad losses. So I'm looking forward to their totals as well, just like you, Dan. Uh, but I'm, I might be a wait and see for a week first to see what their offense kind of comes out looking like. Yeah, and I feel like the Archers really did a good job of addressing their needs as well. You know, we mentioned they were the only team that really didn't have a backup goalie after the retirement of Drew Adams. They got Brett Dobson. I, like you said earlier, Dan, didn't think we were going to see more than one goalie go, whether that be McElroy or Dobson. We ended up seeing three go, uh, including Colin Kirst and those two that I just mentioned. So I was wrong on that. I know uh, Brett Dobson took some exception to that prior to the draft, and he was proven right, rightfully so. So uh, good for him getting drafted by the Archers and um you know, I, I, I anticipated, like, a lot of goalies getting picked up in the waiver wire because, to me, there's, like, so many goalies available, top goalies for sure, um, and given this deep class of goalies that I figured maybe they try to, you know, coaches try to address more needs like short-stick defensive mini that are more of a premium, um, but Archer's clearly got their guy in Dobson, and uh, he might compete for that starting role, or maybe they end up employing a two-goalie system like they have in years past with uh, him and Gittleman, you know. So we saw Gittleman kind of cement himself as the starter late in last season. Can see a two-goalie approach uh, similar to years one and two for the Archers, and Dobson certainly is going to make an impact in this league, um, as well as I think McElroy, um, you know, I think Scannoni's the Chromes guy, so I think that's why I was a little surprised that they drafted, but McElroy's as good of a goalie as you'll get, and Colin Kirst I've been pretty high on as well. Surprised to see him get drafted um, given that the can- Cannons made a move earlier before the draft as well to get Drake Porter, but all all capable goalies. And the goalie position is one that we haven't seen too many, you know, changes other than like Atlas last year. But um, there's so much talent at the goalie position that you could see some some other names get some more time this year than what we've seen in the past. But I really liked what the Archers did. They got Inacio as well at the faceoff dot, so they have three options there between Gaffney, Tyrell Hammer-Jackson and Inacio, we might see them kind of improve their face-off play a little bit. And to your point, Dan, be more consistent on offense. They are the most efficient offense when they do have the ball in their stick. Now, before we get into NCAA, some actionable info here for you, getting into some NCAA games uh, and also get some of our best bets, 
I think the main takeaway for me from the draft last night, you just look down the board and you just uh, – the parity of the PLL. And, and really, you know, lacrosse as a whole, we talk about the game just lends itself to being a very parity-laden game at all levels. But with this PLL, you know, the fact that there's eight different squads, I, I, I just think – as I look down the entire draft board, every single team got better. Now, maybe some of them got better, more notably so than others. But I'll put out the hot take here right at the beginning and say, um, I think we have a new champion in the PLL this year. I don't know who it's going to be, but I would be very surprised if we have a repeat from the chaos. Not saying that they didn't get better either, or we have the Whip Snakes winning the championship again, because I think everybody is now at a potential championship level i think there's teams like the archers that now it's kind of show me time you know you, you you've knocked at the door same thing with redwoods you've knocked at the door it's time to kind of take that next step um you know i'll, I'll be the one to put my uh, put my name on it stamp it on there and i'll stick with it the entire season i think we have a new champion once all is said and done at the end of this summer and that kind of lends itself into talking about some of these totals what we saw before the draft what we saw after the draft we personally feel um, you know, as far as future odds go, nothing that really happens in the draft until we see these teams on the field really change our viewpoint. But before the draft on DraftKings, you had chaos odds on favorite plus 400. You had the whips and Atlas behind that plus 500 archers, dogs and woods were all plus 550. And then you have bringing up the rear cannons and chrome at plus 1200. So those were the odds before the draft. I know, Brian, this was something that you kind of had your eyes on any big movers in the market uh, that you were able to see following the draft here, what we saw last night in the PLL before we start getting into some NCAA action. There weren't too many big uh, movements in the lines. Uh, Chaos went from on DraftKings, there was movement on MGM. There was no movement. So on DraftKings, Chaos went from 400 to 425, still the favorites. Atlas went from 500 to 470, plus 500 to plus 475. That's the only team we've seen the value decrease in uh, for how much you get per dollar back. Uh, And whips went from plus 500 to plus 550. Uh, so DK lost some faith in the whips, minorly in the chaos. Who knows what that 25-point shift means. Uh, but they really like the way the Atlas draft, and they think that they have a really good chance, and so do I. I really agree with them. Uh, but this is more of an exercise in line shopping because with the movement on DK, we see the whips on DK now have better value for the customer than MGM does. and But likewise, also for uh, – Also for the Water Dogs as well, because MGM has them at the favorite at plus 400 and DK has them still at plus 550. So if you like the Whips or the Water Dogs, you might want to look at the lines on DK. uh, But MGM still has better lines for the customer for the Atlas, whose line did not get adjusted after this draft. uh, And the Cannons and the Chrome still have a better price on MGM. So if you like the Whips... Or the Water Dogs, DK, Atlas, Cannons, Chrome, you might want to look at MGM if you want to place a future this early on. There you go. That's the breakdown. Some movers or maybe lack thereof in the futures market. Um, you know, as far as value there, um, I think if you're still able to get that nice plus price, you know, plus 550, plus 650 around that, depending on where you're looking on the Atlas, um, could be worth a sprinkle. But Again, I think there's so much parity. I think you're going to be better off finding a team you want to bet on week by week as opposed to trying to shoot a needle in a haystack. You know, I I like doing those crazy plus prices. So, you know, an 18 field, you want to sprinkle on some of those 10 to one shots. 
Um, you know, I got, I got a 20 to one ticket on Chrome before that all moved. So I'll probably just probably ride with that one. And then, uh, you know, be able to bitch about it the entire season when that one doesn't get home. So it gives me season long, uh, content to be bumping down into there. So that's our thoughts on the PLL draft. Let us know what your thoughts are. Um, you know, obviously reach out to us. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Um, so boys, let's get into some NCAA action. What do you think? Um, I mean, We'll start and hot. Now I'm gonna throw it your way. Notre Dame, some way, somehow, you know, despite being the fifth best team in the nation, according to uh, you know the voters, um, aren't in the tournament. I-, I think this is a major loss for lacrosse that we won't get to see a team that really started peaking at the back end of the year get to put their stamp on things. You know, it's uh, it, it, I- I'm pretty disappointed um, to be honest with you that. Um, the committee didn't end up putting Notre Dame in. Uh, I think Notre Dame clearly got the short end of the stick in this aspect. Um, you know, so, so Hutton, your thoughts on Notre Dame missing the tournament and the field that we're looking at currently. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be a little biased because I did have a future on Notre Dame, but, uh, I think it's ridiculous that they don't get in over Harvard. Uh, you have six Ivy league teams get in. So in a year that you don't see Hopkins, Syracuse, Duke, or Notre Dame in the tournament, you end up with six Ivy Leagues. Uh, so, you know, on paper, it's like, oh, it's nice. We're getting some fresh blood in this tournament. And then you're like, ah, not really. You know, you got six Ivy League t- teams in. Um, I think it's it's ridiculous if you look at their resume. Uh, honestly, some people are like, well, RPI sucks. Like, this is why we need to change RPI. And while I do think RPI is a little bit broken, Notre Dame and Duke should have gotten in over Ohio State and Harvard based on RPI. So really, RPI wasn't to blame uh, with this. Um, I think, you know, Notre Dame – you know, they, they had some losses that I think were higher quality losses. If you want to you know call it that they lost to Maryland by two Georgetown by, I think five or six. Um, and they lost to Virginia by four. Those are teams one, two, and three ranked ranking wise. And they were ranked fourth at the end of the season. I don't know why we do the media poll anymore. If, you know, it's not even going to have any effect on the NCAA tournament. So yeah, unfortunately my future on Notre Dame is dead. I didn't take my own advice. I, I think I, if you guys recall a couple of weeks ago, I said, Maryland, is probably no value there just because of the the market. Um, But them and Georgetown are the only ones I would even consider placing a future on before we know this tournament uh, layout, because you had teams like Jacksonville that looked like they would be a good bet. Utah, good long shot bet if they won their AQ and they lost, you know, and unfortunately if teams don't get their AQ, unless you're a Georgetown or Maryland, if they had lost their, their, you know, their uh, conference tournament, they would have still gotten in. You can't say that about many other teams. And the ACC in particular, not having a conference tournament might have hurt them not getting, you know, more than one team in. Virginia is the only lone ACC team. So, yeah, pretty disappointed in the committee, uh, putting Harvard in over. They had some some cupcake games against Colgate, which they barely lost. Uh, so, and, you know, again, they don't make their Ivy League tournament. I know Princeton didn't either, but... I think I think no one would have batted an eye if Notre Dame got in over Harvard. Um, you could make the case Ohio State was kind of a bubble team as well, but you know they beat Notre Dame. Um, I think they kind of deserve to be in the tournament. So really, my only qualm is Notre Dame. I'm not a believer that Duke should have gotten in, despite you know again having another higher RPI. I just think their losses looked bad um, when they did lose. But uh, when all said and done, Notre Dame's not in it. Uh, my future's dead, and that just shows the importance of knowing, you know, the tournament ahead of time. So now that you do have, you know, futures on tournament teams, it's a little bit easier to grasp. And uh, you know, if you are considering placing a future, look at the second round matchups that could potentially fill out your bracket and see that. So before you go and place a future on a team, you know, you shouldn't be placing a future on Maryland or Virginia 
um, both of those teams because they're going to play each other in the next round if, you know, they do. I mean, you could if you want to, um, but I don't suggest that. I would, you know, if you're considering one or those teams, bet on one of them um, or wait till the next round to see who gets through. So just something to be aware of, you know, when betting these futures. Um, and again, I don't think there's a whole lot of value on Maryland. You might just be better off playing them uh, against the spread. Yeah, I think if you're going to be trying to find a way to get two teams live in in the in the championship game and potentially be able to make some money, um, you know, I wouldn't lay the minus 150 with Maryland. I think they're the favorites for a reason, but I wouldn't lay that. I think the way that I would attack it is, you know, you hope for the upset. Does Virginia get them the second time around? I don't think that they will, but you go with Virginia, you go with Georgetown at plus 500 again. I'm not going to bet this. I'm just saying, if you look at the bracket and try and maximize what's something that likely could happen, um, you know, I don't think anyone would be completely floored or shocked if we get a Virginia-Georgetown championship. I think you add value on both of those teams a little bit better earlier in the season. Um, You know, you you, you just – I completely agree with Hutton. You know, you don't want two teams in the same section of the bracket to be two futures that you're holding because then you will not have a hedge opportunity down the line. You know, you really want to try and maximize it. If that's how you're going to attack betting this tournament, I personally wouldn't. I would find angles to play on game by game. Um, You know, maybe parlay opportunities. Again, I'm not a big parlay better, but um, you're telling me that you don't like uh, a team's chances in the second round, you know, with uh, with a Maryland going against the play in team that they'll have to play or Georgetown getting a play in team. You know, that might be the better way to attack it here. So, guys, speaking of futures, could I interest anybody in a little sprinkle on Manhattan? plus 25,000. So a $50 bet if you bet on Manhattan, well, you could just burn your money if you want to. But if you wanted to bet on Manhattan, put $50 in it, it would pay out over $1,200. So um, if you if you have $50 that you just want to waste and never get it back, um, you, can, you can put a future on Manhattan. There's some bulletin board materials there for, uh, for, for Manhattan with the bounce back. So you look at the future market, you look at this, um, and we actually have joining us now our guy from front office sports, Justin Byers, hopping in, my man JB. Hey, whether he's late, he's still here. He's ready to go. We were kind of joking at the top. We were saying we're all uh, hiding from our real-life responsibilities to talk lacrosse in the middle of the day. I'm glad to see that you are joining the Degenerates Corners. It's good to hear from you, JB. What's up, my man? No, it's a pleasure. I'm happy I can, I can finally kind of hop on a little late. I know it is, but um, just got to Miami, actually. So I'd love to start my trip off with some lacrosse. So I'm happy to be here and talk some game. So we, we talked a lot about, you know, the PLL draft last night. So, you know, not to rehash it, we're, we're kind of getting into the uh, NCAA stuff right here. So as the uh, bracket kind of sh- shook out, you hear some of our thoughts. Um, you know, any, any first-round matchups outside of your best bet that uh, you think might be some good opportunities or ones that you're just excited to watch? Because I, I think there are some pretty intriguing first-round matchups, a lot of three-and-a-halves that we're seeing. So a lot of games that, you know, could potentially be blowouts, but they don't want to stamp it with a four-and-a-half or more. So as you look at it from a fan perspective, what was your kind of thought of the tournament bracket? And when you look at it from the betting perspective, um, I think there could be some juicy dog opportunities. Yeah, there's going to be some teams that are really going to try out with and fight, even though they're they're underdogs. I'm I'm really high on this Manhattan Vermont game tonight. Of course, you folks know I'm a big fan of goalie playing. We've got two of the best goalies in the country competing tonight in that matchup. So I'm excited to see that one. I'm also excited to see Delaware and Robert Morris 
I know I talked about last week how some of these mid-major like games have a lot of the flair. I think that continues in the first round of the tournament starting tonight. So I'm excited to see RMU kind of do their thing. They've been riding high. A big win last week. We'll see what they can do against Delaware. And I think this Manhattan team, I'm looking at the, the spread right now at seven and a half. I think that's a little bit too much. I think we're going to see some uh, some close games here to start things off. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And we'll get into these games since they're going to be uh, going today, six o'clock Eastern, seven o'clock Eastern. 6 o'clock being the Vermont-Manhattan game, 7.5, over 22.5, under 22.5, the total posted there. You got Delaware, uh, another, you know, minus 2.5, their favorites over Romo. Um, You get a plus 110 take back if you bet Robert Morris, um, you know, getting the 2.5. So not only are you getting goals there, you're getting plus money on it. Total is 26.5 in that one. Um, Brian, before we get into those games specifically, I just kind of wanted to throw a concept at you. I know that this isn't at the rundown, but I just look across this entire board and I know that you're my total guy that I always go to, to bounce this kind of stuff off of. And I know that you're always primed to play some unders. Um, you know, we got 22 and a half, a lot of 26 and a half. We got Yale and St. Joseph's at 27 and a half. Um, you know, some 25 and a half down there as well with Rutgers, Harvard. We talked about last week playoffs potentially playing to unders um and i'm not a hey just bet bet this blind but i think with some of these higher totals these 26 and a half these 27 and a half i think we could be ripe to seeing some unders here in the opening round of the tournament um any thoughts on that did you did you look down any of those totals that kind of stood out to you and just kind of from a more overview macro sense um you know do you think that we could potentially see some unders with some defensive uh strategies kind of ramping up yeah, I, d- I definitely think it's a little matchup dependent. Like uh, maybe like a game with St. Joe's would stress me out taking the total because they've had games that are really low scoring and then they've had games that have been like 18-19, 17-16. Uh, so like they're very prone to uh, flip-flop defensive performances and relying on their offense to win in a shootout. And I hate doing that. And I think uh, all these Ivy matchups, all these – a lot of these games with like plus 3.5 have like potentials to be incredibly high scoring. Uh, and while I do think that defenses really try to come to play, uh, I think we're seeing way too many high scoring games to take that as like a blanket rule. I know that's not what you're suggesting, uh, but no totals. I hope nobody fell out of their share when I said that, but no totals really stand out to me on the college slate this week, except for maybe like Manhattan, uh, the Manhattan game because we're going up against two goalies, but I don't think that that'd be shocking to anyone. Yeah. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because that's the game I wanted to talk about right here is this Vermont Manhattan game. It just missed is my best bet. It is something that I've bet myself and that's taken that seven and a half with Manhattan. You know, it, it doesn't, there's a reason why Vermont is the huge favorite. And I understand that, you know, surely they have the better chance of getting that home. However, in a playoff game, your Manhattan, what do you really have to lose? You're going to be kind of playing loose and you're getting seven and a half goals. You don't have to lay a lot of juice to, to back that either, minus 11 and a half. So it's not quite something that I would stamp best bet on. But I think with some solid goalie play and with a low total, this is, uh, you know, kind of a, a betting axiom as well. A correlated parlay is going with a dog and an under because the logic kind of dictates 
hey, if you have a lower scoring game, there's going to be fewer opportunities for points, which means that a dog and a sizable dog like this has a much better chance at getting home. So you look at that total of 22 and a half and you look at seven and a half, they're almost incongruent in the fact that if there's goals scored in this game, how does it not go over to the total? If the defense does show up like the odds makers expect it to, how does this not stay a game that plays towards the dog? So, um, you know, I, I know that we uh, we have some some uh, info coming down in this game for, uh, for you know, a, a best bet opportunity that Hutton might be eyeing. So I'll throw that your way, um, Justin, because we'll hear uh, Hutton's thoughts on this game once we get to our best bets here. But, um, you know, just this kind of thought that we have a 22 and a half, yet a team getting seven and a half kind of seems like a slam dunk spot for Manhattan. It, it could it be too good to be true. Yeah, it's surprising Vegas kind of had to sort it out the way it did, particularly when it comes to it being a, a NCAA tournament game. I I'm not quite sure what the logic was behind that. I think it's a little bit too long. Like, this is a, a perfect opportunity. I don't care what the outcome is. It's it's too good of a number to pass up. And I have this rule, if, it, if it's over three and a half, I usually am going to go with the underdog, unless – we're playing against the Maryland Terrapins, and that's another story. But, yeah, I'm loving <laughs> Like, plus seven and a half, it's, it's a great number. In Vermont, we've seen them not be able to play a full four quarters, so I think this is a prime spot. Yeah, I'm right there with you, and we'll get Hutton Jackson's thoughts on this one in just a little bit coming up in the best bet section. Some love for Delaware coming up here as Delaware – Minus two and a half as they take on Robert Morris. That game going to be at seven o'clock Eastern time here, uh, where uh, where we're at here on the East Coast um, this evening. And we do have a money line on that one. Delaware, a respectable minus two eighty favorite. Take back if you back Robert Morris and they pull the upset plus two ten. So some juicy payout on a dog potentially there. But guys, let's get right into it with our NCAA best bets, and then we'll swing around get into some NLL action as the playoffs are nigh we had you know those opening round matchups now we're going to be having some best of series coming up down here down the pike so uh, we'll be getting that preview and giving some thoughts there and giving some best bets in the box side of things but um i'll kick things off because i i think uh, jb and i are looking the same way on a play and i know we have some differing of opinion so feel free to rebuff but my best bet this week I'm going to that Richmond game on Saturday. It's 2.30 Eastern as they take on Penn. They will be on the road taking on Penn, and they're getting three and a half. It's minus 125. I'm back in the Richmond Spiders in this one. I just think it's a really good prime dog spot because of what we know about Penn. I think their performance in the Ivy League tournament has really added a boon to maybe the public perception of, of what this Penn team is because – all year long, it was dog fights for them. I mean, close games. They had a couple wins by margin, but it boils down to it that they played 14 games this season. Nine out of 14 of them, they would have failed to cover this number. And I think this number is boosted up. I think we're, we, this should be more like a two and a half line. Um, and I just think because of what they did in the Ivy tournament, they 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 didn't just win. They dominated Yale. They dominated Brown. And I think... There was something that Quint Kesnick said on one of those broadcasts and that there might be a feeling that 
the sentiment around the Ivy is inflated because of the good games that we had versus Ivy on Ivy teams. And you could argue that part of that great performance that Penn had was because they got to see those teams for the second time around. You, you know what I mean? You, you learn in the first, and these are Ivy League educated gentlemen. So, you know, you really astutely pay attention to what worked in your first matchup, what didn't. And if you're able to exact that, um, it, it'll, it'll shake out better for you that way around. And that's what Penn did. So I also think, you know, people are forgetting that Richmond beat Virginia, I know it was just a one-off. It was a prime spot for Richmond. It was a best bet winner for me that week. But you can't dismiss out of hand that this team, when having to be asked to step up, they've been able to do it. And kind of what I was saying with Manhattan, too, I think this team's going to be playing loose. They're going to be playing with house money. And Penn, they have everything in the world to lose. You know, they just won the Ivy League tournament. They're representing the Ivy. And, you know, they're, they're this, this, this powerhouse that until the Ivy League tournament Penn really wasn't that. So give me the three and a half. Give me Richmond. And that's my best bet. And I know, JB, that's the way that you're looking to. Anything to add on my somewhat lengthy handicap on that one? No, you you hit the nail on the head with that. And, and looking at Richmond's schedule, all their losses, if there's a, such a, a good thing as a good loss, they've got that. And they've taken an L to Georgetown to Duke into, into Jacksonville. I mean, those are premier clubs right now like as far as programs are going I know Duke didn't make the tournament but what we saw from that Duke team during that matchup I mean Duke was solid at that point in the season so I, I think this Richmond team like they've got the talent and we know they they're able to play teams no matter what their other talent level is pretty closely especially with that Virginia win I think honestly Richmond could upset Penn like it's it's not out of the out of the cards at all yeah, and we've seen crazier things. I mean, we just had the Derby and an 85-to-1 horse that wasn't even in the race on Friday got home. So uh, so you never know what's going to happen. Now, before we get into Brian's best bet this week, um, Hutton, when we were talking off-air, um, you know, you said you think that there might be a bettable spot here for Penn. And I'm just wondering, as you look at this matchup and the three-and-a-half, um, you know, what, what, what kind of was giving you that sentiment of potentially being a play on spot for Penn, whether it makes your card or not, I always like hearing people make the, the, the case for the other side. And I'm just wondering, um, would love to pick your brain here on, you know, what, what you saw and what you feel about Penn coming into this game that, that could potentially make it a, a play on spot. Yeah, I tend to agree with you guys in terms of the Ivy league being still common, kind of you know, an interesting, you know, dilemma to kind of figure out because they beat up on each other. Um, they did have a good out of conference record too. Uh, so, you know, there's that to take, but um, yeah, Penn's interesting to me. They played in these close games, so I don't know if I can lay minus three and a half with them. I kind of liked it initially, but I'm going to stay off of it. Um, I do think they're going to win this game, though, and I do think it could be by a couple goals. I just think they're in a better class in Richmond. We saw Richmond beat UVA, which is a big win for them. They're a, a good team, so I don't hate your guys' bets of taking the plus three and a half with them. I think the spread, like you said, Dan, should be closer to maybe two and a half, one and a half. But uh, I do think Penn is the better team. So um, in terms of taking the other side, I'm not going to take the other side uh, of this one like I initially was thinking about. But uh, I do think Penn is a good team that I would maybe look at, you know, on the futures market. Um, I, I think there's some value there in terms of the Ivy League. Um, I think right now they look like the best team to come out of the Ivy League, them in Princeton. Um, so that's just something that I would maybe consider if you are looking, you know, future-wise, there's some some value there. 
Um, but in terms of this game, I'm going to stay away. Uh, don't hate Richmond plus three and a half. I think that can give them a good game, but I do think Penn comes out away with the victory in this one. Now, speaking of Ivy, if people really do want to back the Ivy League, and then we'll get Brian's best bet and circle it back around and get Hutton's. Um, if people really do believe in the Ivy, if you took all of the Ivy League favorites in the first round, so I'm excluding Brown, um, you put them together in a money line parlay. It's plus two seventy nine on the take back. So if you really think the Ivy was that good, you can put your money where your mouth is and back them all. If you throw Brown into that as well, a five pick parlay for all of the Ivy League teams to win. Oh, and there's Harvard as well. So now I got to throw Harvard in there. Um, you're looking at a seventeen fifty seven take back. So uh, not too bad if you want to back the Ivies there. I just give you the tools. I'm not saying bet on it. I'm just saying that you could bet on it and potentially lose your money. So, Brian, I'm going to throw it your way. Best bet time. What do you got for the folks? Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, Delaware Bobby Moe game, and I actually really like Delaware minus two and a half here. If you look at Delaware's schedule, it looks like a really weird pick as they don't normally cover the spread. It's almost like the exact opposite of your guys' argument Uh for Penn, where you guys are saying, like, we're not taking the three and a half because they don't cover it most of the season. I'm looking at the player matchups in this one, and it's kind of leading me to the other side of the coin. Uh, Delaware's defense is playing red hot. They just held Drexel to Towson to six, which Robert Morris's offense is better over the course of the whole season than Drexel and Towson for sure. But they have similar team profiles where Robert Morris has, like, four top scorers, and then the scoring, the production really kind of falls off a cliff from there. Uh, And Delaware's defense has been really impressive down the stretch where they have Owen Grant, which is the CAA Defensive Player of the Year. He's in the same conference as Kobe Kobe Smith, who just went number five overall in the PLL draft last night. So that man is a lockdown defenseman. I saw him play Drexel last Thursday or whenever it was, and he held uh, Jake Mulcahy, which is – uh, a first-team CAA all-conference offensive player. He's the, like, the captain of the Drexel team, scoreless in that game. So I think that Grant is going to take out 25% of Robert Morris's, uh, you know top four uh, production offensive players, and they're going to have to dig in. Robert Morris is going to have to dig from uh, the depth of their offense, which is kind of shallow to really uh, score on Delaware. And – even though Robert Morris showed that they could catch up to a team uh, like Utah who blew them out earlier in the season, I think they're, I think they're hoping for a shootout where they have to go one for one with Delaware and take advantage of their advantage at like the faceoff X and stuff like that to really take them down. I think Delaware is going to slow down the game, force them to beat them six on six, shut down their matchups and then go to town with their deeper offense on the other side of the field. So I really like Delaware minus two and a half here. Laying the goals with the Blue Hens. Best bet, Brian Andrews. Hutton, you get the last word in our best bet NCAA edition before we swing it on into the box, talk some series pricing, and give you some best bets in the NLL this weekend. What do you got on the field? And it's one that I have in my bet slip already. What do you got for the folks, Hutton? I like Manhattan plus seven and a half for a lot of the reasons you you guys said. uh, Brennan Krebs is one of the best goaltenders in the nation. Um, and I think he's going to keep this total low, which kind of goes in hand. You know, that's a lot of points for Vermont to lay. Um, like I could realistically see Vermont winning this game, you know, maybe 12 to seven and not covering that seven and a half. So um, I'm getting Manhattan with the points uh, in this matchup. Uh, like I said, Brendan Krebs is going to 
cause some issues, I think, for this Vermont offense. He's going to keep them in this game. Um, and so I, I like back in Manhattan plus seven and a half. And, uh, you know, I think Brendan Krebs, although he didn't get drafted last night in the PLL draft, he could find his way on a PLL roster this summer as well. So he's that good. Um, and I'm taking the Jaspers plus seven and a half today. Money coming in late if you are in Pennsylvania, if you have bet MGM. I just checked it because as I saw that it's going to be a triple, almost quadruple best bet for our team here. I'm backing it. If you have bet MGM, it's now plus 105 if you're getting that seven and a half. couple hours till game time, you might even be able to see that eight and a half flash. And if that does, yikes, I'm backing up the Brinks truck to uh, to, get, to get my bet in. I think this is a great spot. I think the betting market is off on this one. I think people are just uh, really buying into a little bit too much hype for the Catamounts. So I'm co-signing that. We got two double best bets. Manhattan plus seven and a half. I'm riding with Hutton on that one. Justin making the case as well. So make it a triple. I know Brian was looking towards that way. So make it a quad for us four finger shot there on the uh on the manhattan jaspers getting the seven and a half we're also riding with richmond our justin and i getting the three and a half brian laying the two and a half goals with the delaware blue hens those are our best bets for ncaa let's swing it around we've been going a little bit long here because we're excited we had pll to talk about got the draft in had some ncaa to talk about and now playoffs is nigh nll we got series pricing coming up here so brian i'll throw it your way just kind of how you're going to attack these nll betting series before we get some best bets from you and hutton how uh, how are you are you excited about the matchups we have you think they're evenly matched and uh, and how are you going to be attacking this from a betting perspective i actually am really excited about the slate because three of the four teams have the best goals against average of the whole league. So we have three of the best defenses in the league. So I'm keeping an eye on the totals, obviously. Uh, But the other thing that I'm keeping an eye on is that in in teams that play consecutive games against each other, like from week to week, which is exactly how these series are formatted, uh, the current record for the team that wins the first game in the second game is three and six. So that means you have a 67% chance of uh, a three-game series, essentially, where the, where whatever team loses the first game is going to win the second game. And so in terms of money line or spread, I think I'm, I, the way that I think I'm going to strategize this is I'm going to stay off of the first game except for a total, no surprise there, and see how these games shake out and then make my uh, plays on at least the second game, uh, more for elimination purposes. And also I really like the Seals and Mammoth series i'm excited for it because the mammoth has been a really volatile team they're the team that has the highest sample size of playing teams in uh consecutive weeks and they also are the team that flips games with those opponents the most so i'm really expecting a three-game series between the mammoth and the seals it's just all about when the mammoth are going to win or not and i'm so i'm trying to play the long game here a little yeah, I think that's a good way to kind of attack it you know just kind of that wait and see approach you don't have to be placing a bet but there are some bets that we do like this weekend. So, Hutton, I'm going to throw it your way. Best bet for you as the NLL playoffs are nigh and uh, some decent matchups, some tight lines as well as we begin the NLL second round of, uh, of playoffs after, you know, now that the bracket's a little bit more formulated. Uh, what do you got for the folks as we head on into playoff weekend? Well, first, RIP to the Calgary Roughnecks future. Um, if you played it the way I suggested, though, you didn't. You came out unscathed. You know, I didn't lose any money on that bet because I backed the mammoth on the money line to kind of hedge that opportunity. Um, but I'm disappointed that you know that 
plus 5,000 ticket is still not alive. Um, but in terms of this weekend, <clears throat> I really like looking at this Buffalo Bandits Toronto Rock game. Um, you know, it, this is going to be a great series, like uh, Brian just laid out. Um, and, you know, we, in the first meeting this regular season, Bandits beat them 12 6. But since then, the Rock have kind of been their kryptonite. Rock beat them 12 10 later in the season. And then the last game of the season, Rock beat them again. So I like the Rock plus one and a half in this game. Um, I just think, you know, this series is going to be so tight. You're getting a team to get, you know, one and a half goals, a team that I think could honestly win this game. Um, I'm going to back the rock and then kind of see how, you know, things go, you know, if they get blown out by Buffalo, you know, maybe we get a better line with the rock um, and see them bounce back. And if they win, you know, your bet's getting home. But I just think, you know, right now, I don't think Buffalo, I I think the line is correct because, you know, you're not going to have Buffalo lay any more points and you're not going to have them as the underdogs either. But um, I just really, really like the rock. You could make a case that the rock could be favored just given the way these teams have played each other in the regular season. I don't think the line's wrong, but I think that's a value for us. And I'm going to back the rock plus one and a half in this game. Um, also kind of looking towards the total, but I'll let Brian touch on that. Can you smell what the rock is cooking? Hut Jackson can. He's betting on a plus one and a half. I had to. The whole entire, after you said rock, that was the only thing that was in my head was, uh, was Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I didn't think the, uh, the meme that gets shared around him where he goes, shut up, bitch, would have been the, uh, the appropriate transition. So I went with smell what the rock is cooking <laughs> instead. Brian Andrews, best bet for you in the NLL. We're looking towards the same game. And shocker, Brian Andrews talking some totals. And another shocker, I'm talking about the under. Bandits Rock right now, the line's at 22 and a half. And uh, the best part about these series is that we have the most history between each set of teams. Both teams, uh, both sets of teams have played each other three times. For the Bandits and the Rock, uh, as Hutton mentioned, they had one game that was 12-10, and that's the closest they've gotten to this line. So they're 3-0 and on the under here. And they're also two of the best defenses in the league. I just don't see a lot of transition and chaotic opportunities. I think it's going to be a lot of settled 6v6. Uh, a lot of strategizing. These teams know each other really well, and I think they're going to really have to make a lot. They're going to have to exert a lot of effort on offense to get any type of opportunity. So I really like the under in this play. I love it. So we got some under action, under 22 and a half. Hutton, I know that you had something that, uh, you know, you said you kind of liked it, uh, this total as well. Was it the same kind of look that Brian had uh, towards this under 22 and a half? Yeah, I, it's under, you know, like he said, Matt Vince and uh, Nick Rose have been playing really, really well in front of these defenses. Um, despite, you know, Toronto getting into a, a goal fest with Halifax, um, I think both of them have uh, been playing really, really well for their teams. Uh, you know, that Firewolves Buffalo game was a defensive slugfest. Um, and really the total could have been way less too if it hadn't been for a couple empty netters at the end by the Bandits. Um, that was a really low total there um you know almost almost saw go under 10 goals it was that close towards the end um but yeah i agree i think under 22 and a half is the play here um i wish we would have gotten a slightly higher total Uh, i would maybe check caesars because they tend to go up a little bit in their totals like you could see a 23 on caesars you may have to lay a little bit more but be on the lookout for that um but uh you know 22 and a half i still feel comfortable playing the under here um i think like Brian said these defenses are really, really good. Um, Both net miners, Matt Vince, you know, obviously uh, has the most goaltenders of the year of any player in NLL history. And Nick Rose uh, could make a case for goaltender of the year this year, the way he's been playing. So um, I like this under as well. 
Boom. There we go. Co-signing the under. That is our thoughts here on this weekend's lacrosse slate. Um, I know we went a little bit long, but if uh, anybody wants to hop in, request to be a speaker right here at the back end. Uh, we'll make sure that, you know, uh, we can hear from you. We'll try and grab, you know, one or two of you. You want to hop in here. But as uh, we wait, you can just hit that request to be a speaker button. We'll get you in if you have some thoughts, either NLL, NCAA, or PLL draft thoughts. We'd love to hear from you before we sign off for the day. But a recap, Hutton going with Rock, getting the one and a half NLL action. Both the boys saying, bet that under as the Bandits and Rock face off this weekend. 22 and a half is your number on the field. We're all loving Manhattan, so uh, hopefully we're not all sitting with losing tickets once we're going up to the counter. Manhattan getting the seven and a half. If you have bet MGM, you can now get it at a plus price. Potentially we'll even see that eight and a half flash. Make sure you follow us on socials. We'll share that out if it does indeed flash. Brian's going with Delaware, laying the two and a half goals uh, this evening. So this is some action you want to get in. It's 7 o'clock as they take on Romo. And uh, Justin and I, Saturday action, we're looking towards Richmond getting the three and a half goals, double best bet there. So plenty of actionable info. Huge thanks to everybody tuning in. That's our thoughts on the NLL, the NCAA, and the PLL Futures Markets. Be sure to follow us at Bet on Lacrosse at Pro Lacrosse Bets and let us know who you're betting on this weekend and some of your thoughts as well. And the main thing that we ask, if you enjoy the shows that we do, share them, tell people about them. That's how we grow the community. Looking forward to doing another one of these next week and we'll hear from you again. If you ever want to hop in, just hit that request to speak button and we'll get you in before we wrap the show. So for my guys, Hutton Jackson, Brian Andrews, JB, Justin Byers, fresh down in Miami. I'm a little bit jealous, JB. I'm Dan Alexander, and we will be talking to you next week, hopefully with some more money in our pocket. (laughs) 